All right, Community Life Church, good morning. Happy New Year. You guys watching online, which is just about everybody, put Happy New Year on there for everybody to be able to see and to be encouraged. And likewise, can't wait to see everybody back here next week as we gather once again as the church. But this week we're gathering online, and so we want to encourage each other as best as we possibly can. Just got a sprinkle of people around here uh, that are part of the services, and of course my family, and we're, uh, we're learning and we're growing together. So we're going to be going into Nehemiah as we go into this 2022, this brand new year, we're going to start off through a study of Nehemiah. Now, if you'll remember, last year at this exact same time, we did a study of Nehemiah uh, as well then, and we're going to do it again because, uh, frankly, uh, repetition is, in fact, the best teacher. It's good for us to always be reminded of goal setting at the beginning of the year because this is the time that people are setting goals. This is the time that people are looking at goals, and they're wanting to, like, change everything about themselves and change things about people around them. Uh, but of course, your goals need to be about you and what you can uh, change and what you can control. Uh, so what are your goals? Think about that for a moment as you're just kind of sitting there and you're trying to think through like, what are your goals? Uh, for those of you that have kiddos at home, I want to encourage you to have them grab a piece of paper and write down some goals. Explain, hey, goals are things you want to accomplish or do or even things you want to be a part of in this new year. What would you like to see happen or not happen? And let's just get excited about and creative about goals. What does it actually mean to have a goal? What are your goals? Maybe it's uh, for you, for some of you kids, it's raise your grades. Uh, maybe you don't really care about your grades, uh, but raising your grades might be a goal of your parents. And so raising your grades is a good goal. Learn a new skill. Get, ex uh, get accepted to a college, guys, right? That'd be good. How about get a job? Somebody out there needs to say amen to that. Get a job. There are so many opportunities out there for growth and advancement and, and new things that you can explore. Uh, go out there and do it. Uh, even if you're not sure, be a part of it. Be a part of something new and get it going. How about just get healthier? Uh, mind, body, spirit healthier type of stuff. Get healthier overall. And this is our goal with the Temple Challenge through Community Life Church is to get healthier overall, holistic healthiness. Not just focusing on one thing. A lot of people right now, probably a good number of people have got those gym memberships because they're going to dive into the idea of weight loss because we have just been pounding weight gain for the past three months and all the treats and stuff. And, and so everybody's focused on that one thing. No, no, no. Just focus on holistic uh, healthiness. And so that would be a great goal. How about uh, maybe you want to get podcast famous? Anybody out there that wants to be podcast famous, you want to, you got stuff to say and you want people to hear it, uh, maybe that could be you. Or maybe you just simply want to spend more time with your friends and your family. Maybe this past year, uh, you know, was really not too different for you from 2021, uh, 2020, as we dealt with uh, everything, the beginning with COVID and the continuation of COVID, even now, you know, trying to uh, deal with uh, having things settle down from that. Maybe you want to spend more time with friends and family. Maybe, you know what? Maybe you want to encourage. Maybe you need to think more on the, on, the, on the outskirts of encouraging your friends and family more. That could be writing a note. Right now, while you're sitting there at home, uh, wherever you are, you could be sending somebody a text message, letting people know, hey, thinking about you, say a little prayer over them and say, listen, I pray for you and do whatever you can. Those would be amazing goals. 
If you were asked about your goals, I'm guessing that some of you would be able to share your goals immediately because you've been thinking about it all year. You've been thinking about how to set goals and want to do goals, and this is just what you do. While other people are probably more like, I don't really know what to do. In fact, I'm just going to let the world come at me, and I'm going to react to it. And some people do that. That's not Maybe that's your goal. Just let's get through 2022. And some people will do that. Others are trying to set a path and then go after that path. So goal setting. And we're going to look through Nehemiah, how he set a goal, how he accomplished the goal. There's a whole month of January, how he accomplished the goal. Uh, but oftentimes when we study Nehemiah, we end with like, he made this great goal and he accomplished it. But there's actually more to the story. Uh, that we're going to learn towards the end of the month. So do the reading ahead of time. You can see that in the weekly email. If you don't get the weekly email, set up, sign up for it. We'll send it to you, and you can start reading through Nehemiah with us. And if you can uh, try not to read too far ahead, that'd be great, and so we can learn a little bit together. So the big idea for today is that big difficulties can inspire God-sized goals. Now, I'm going to use that phrase a lot, God-sized goals goals. That's that's kind of, it gives you the impression that it's got to be a big goal, right? So dream big dreams, we would say, and, and you got God-sized goals, and we think that things, everything has to be big, big, big. But I want to, I want to give us a little bit of an understanding on what I'm talking about when I say God-sized goals. When I'm talking about God, some things may be big, it may be a big goal, uh, but it doesn't have to be like this big goal in the sense that it's going to change the world, the, the earth that we know it, the world, the culture that we know it. It could be a very significant, impactful goal, uh, but it may not be huge in size. That itself could be a God-sized goal. It could be a super helpful goal. That can be a God-sized goal. It could be an encouraging goal, which is a God-sized goal. Think about it this way. Consider relationships. Relationships are hard. And uh, you have that one person, everybody's got at least that one person, that if they walked in uh, a room where they were standing, or they were sitting, or they were just hanging out, it would make a pit in their stomach occur, right? You'd almost go, ooh, I didn't expect them to show up. Ready? God-sized goal. In, in safe situations, uh, you try to bridge that gap. Family, friends, uh, some, some of you have already tried to bridge that gap, and it didn't go very well. And so when it is possible, we want to be at peace with everybody. But a God-sized goal we're talking about is impactful goal, like a significant goal. So don't always think about socks, right? Bigger, bigger, better. No, it's not about that. It's about making an impact and to be able to do something that God is actually calling you to do. So spend some time in prayer, and we're going to learn about that here in a little bit. We are going to do the study of Nehemiah throughout the entire month, all the way through January 30th. And 30th is going to be kind of like a wrap-up of everything that we've been learning. Through this book, we're going to teach uh, a great amount on goal setting, boldness, and a word that I just love, stick This idea of sticking to it. Don't just move on because it got hard. Stay with it, get it done, do it well, and that way you can develop that sense of stick 
something that you can just keep on doing. And at the end of our story on January 30th, we'll see a major shift in the understanding of this story. We're going to look at it, we're going to celebrate, and we're going to look through like what ended up happening after that, right? It's like the movies. People end up with somebody or you, how many people out there, put it in the comments or maybe people in here, you say, how many people watch Hallmark movies uh, over the Christmas, right? We watched it, right? We got some nods, we got some hands. We watched cheesy Christmas movies and we know the plot, we know that. And it ends always on a high note, always ends with like the celebratory moment. And so we're going to learn that celebratory moment from Nehemiah, but we're also going to learn the day after, the days after the weeks after Nehemiah. What happened after the mission was accomplished? But first, a little background on Nehemiah so we can understand where this story uh, basically takes place. We're going to be looking at the uh, in the Old Testament of the Bible in, in Nehemiah. Uh, that's the part uh, that is written before Jesus and is the story of the Jewish people. Four words could describe the entire book of Nehemiah. The idea of rebuilding, Restoring, repenting, and returning. So first of all, rebuilding what's been torn down, like physically rebuilding things that have been destroyed, restoring what sin has destroyed through disobedience, repenting of our part, of the, the Jewish people had to repent of their part of all that as well, and this returning, this returning to God, walking away from our old lifestyle and desires and going back to God. This is something we could, all, we could all have some element of in our life today. If you think about things that need rebuilt in your life, there are areas that just simply need rebuilt. There's, there's, a, there's an element of restoration that needs to be done there. Some people that are not following Jesus at this time and you're going, um, yeah, my, my life's kind of a mess. There's this restoration that occurs in Christ. Repenting is when we turn away from our old lifestyle and return to the Lord uh, and go towards God repenting of, turning away from that old life, and of course, returning to God. So we're learning through this context of the Jewish people. All right, so the book that we're reading again is, say it with me, Nehemiah. It's a long, big word, awesome name, and uh, Nehemiah is going to teach us a lot about goal setting. About 140 years before this book begins, the Jewish people were conquered by an enemy arm, uh, army, the Babylonians, that took control of Jerusalem. They destroyed the city, burned the temple where the Jewish people would worship God, and sent many people to go into exile. Basically, like, they had to leave their homeland, and they were gone. So 140 years before this, uh, this writing began, this story occurred, rather, uh, this is what the Nehemiah actually was born into. He was born in captivity. He, all he's ever known in his homeland, if you will, is that the army, uh, the, the Babylonians controlled it all. The enemy armies uh, were in charge of it. And so through the prophets, God promised to restore and rebuild Jerusalem and that God's people would return. But this was a devastating loss for the Jewish people. For generations, the Jewish people were heartbroken about their lost city, temple, culture, community, everything that they knew. Imagine this, everything that you know, you were actually pushed out of all of it. Everything. Tried to give a, be given a new identity. And not because you even wanted to in any way, shape, or form, or that you gave into being able to do it. You were absolutely taken from and pushed into a completely different setting. 
So the things you knew as far as like worship, the things that you knew as far as life and family were completely changed and there was nothing you could do about it. Now, after Jerusalem was destroyed and a new king took control, some of God's people began to return to Jerusalem looking for ways to rebuild what had been lost. Now, the story of Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, some scholars would say that this was one unified uh, book at one point in time that eventually was separated. And so some would say that Ezra actually wrote Nehemiah. Some would say that Nehemiah wrote Nehemiah. And while others uh, possibly... Uh, taking the, uh, as we're taking the memoirs of Nehemiah and kind of writing out this story. Regardless, what we know is that we see a huge goal being accomplished through the story of Nehemiah. Now, keep in mind, again, as I said, Nehemiah has never known a Jerusalem occupied uh, with, with the way that it once was. And so, yet he still has this passion and this desire inside of him. As we read through a bit of Nehemiah chapter 1, we're going to see this development here. So at the very beginning of Nehemiah, we're going to jump right in here, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see what's happening here in uh, Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to go through the very beginning of chapter 2. So you can underline, make some notes, whatever, but make sure that you have that uh, pulled up so that you can follow along. I'm reading from the New Living Translation here. Uh, Nehemiah's concern for Jerusalem. Now, what, what's going on here is that Nehemiah is, is being visited uh, by his brother. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was uh, at the forces, uh, fortress of Susa. Uh, Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some of the other men and had a ride from Judah. And he's excited to see his brother, and he's, hey, how's it going? Is it going good? Because in his mind, not having... Uh, social media, instant instant responses, nothing. He's just kind of thinking, well, if they're going back, it must be all good. It must be a good thing. And so he's wondering, how are things going? And he says, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah in verse 3. They are in great trouble and disgrace. Not just things are kind of not going well, but things are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed. Now in the in the book of Ezra, we read that the temples rebuilt and then uh, but the walls were not rebuilt yet. And so here comes Nehemiah and he begins to to understand that the walls have not been put back together the way that they need to. And so he begins to understand, uh, wow, I care about this in a deep way. And so he goes on as he hears these, as he hears this report, Nehemiah is just devastated. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. Have you ever gotten news where you just, you didn't know what else to do? You didn't know what else to do except just sit down and just cry. It just overwhelmed you. It, 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 it just crushed you. It's like this, like feeling like someone was punching you right in the gut and that kind of knocked the wind out of you. You know what else to do, but just sit down and just have this devastating cry. And so this is what Nehemiah is doing. That doesn't mean because he's weak. 
that he starts crying. It's because he's devastated. He's passionate about this, and it really hurts him. It wrecks him to the core of who he is. And so he begins to simply cry. In fact, the day for days, I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. He's just, for days and days, he's just mourning, and he's super sad, and he's crying, and he's just trying to make sense of, wait a second, this is what I thought, and this is happening? How can this even be? And at the same time, right, he's praying, he's worshiping, and during his prayer, he says in verse uh, 6, at the end of verse 6, I confess that we have sinned. Now, again, he had never been there. But he's taking full responsibility as part of the community of his ancestors to say, listen, we have sinned. We have done this thing, and I'm going to own it. Here in America, we would rarely ever do that. We would rarely ever take responsibility for anything that has happened within our community of America. We wouldn't say, we have done it. We would be like, oh, it must have been them, or it must have been them, or the hot topic. It must have been the left or the right on the political platform, right? We're always pointing these fingers. But Nehemiah understood who he was, where he was originally from, and he takes full responsibility for any part that he played. I confess. Maybe we, America, need to start with, I confess. I confess that we have sinned against you. I confess that we have not honored you. I confess that we have done these things to dishonor you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. Like he just lays it out there. I'm telling you, sin is, is, uh, is in my nature and I have sinned against you, Nehemiah says, and I'm owning it. I'm simply owning that I have done this. We have sinned terribly. I mean, he won't let this thing go. I have sinned. We have sinned. It has been horrible. And here's, and here's, what, he, here's what he's saying that he did. By not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you, have, that you gave us through your servant Moses. So you told us to do certain things and to not do other things. And we have dishonored you and disgraced you by not obeying you. We see that all over our culture today because we would take God's word and uh, followers of Christ would say, listen, this is how God's word teaches us, instructs us how to live. And yet people would redefine and reframe God's word as irrelevant, old, outdated, not up to par, not as culturally relevant as it once was. And then we can redefine terms and do whatever we want to do. I confess that even I and my family have sinned. And he just pours this out to the Lord. Continues in his prayer in verse eight, please remember what, what you told your servant Moses. Not that God needed reminded, but that, that this is just something Nehemiah was like crying out to him. Please, like, don't forget, if you are, uh, if you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you, scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the end of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. And so he's going through this and he's praying. Now, here's a fascinating thought. He's not just praying for um, a little bit. He's been praying for quite some time. This actually goes into months. Now, you see there's a big need or a big difficulty or a big challenge, and we would have a hard time sitting on it for months. 
And yet he did. He really sat on it. He prayed. He didn't do nothing. He prayed over it. He talked to God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Here he's planning, he's making up this, he's making up a plan and he's coming together and he's covering it with uh, fasting and praying and just real solid focus time for a significant period of time more than just a day or two. Well, you know, God hasn't got back to me. I sent him a message 72 hours ago. He must not want me to do it or this or that. And he really poured in to prayer. Now, here's a fascinating thought of where Nehemiah was. Nehemiah was set up in a great way for what looked like could have been extreme success. You see, Nehemiah was a cupbearer of the time um, in, uh, to, to the king. And so here's what a cupbearer would do. If, uh, if, if you were going to you ever have somebody ask you for a cup, like get some drink. Uh, my kids are asking me all the time, can you get me some milk? Can you get me some uh, water? Well, they don't ask for water. No, they don't ask for water. Uh, they, can I have some juice? Can I have some pop? Can I have some of this stuff? And so we get it, and there's usually a dad tax uh, where you take a sip of it first, and then you give it to them. Well, what the cupbearer would do is exactly that, uh, except he wasn't taxing the king. He would take this cup, and he would drink it before the king would take it. And, and, if, and if it didn't kill the cupbearer, then the king knew it was okay to drink it. Interesting job, right? Uh, not too many people would sign up for that job, but this was a job that Nehemiah had, and so he was responsible. So there, was, there began to be uh, an extreme amount of trust uh, that would be developed between the king and Nehemiah, a relationship, because he was with them a lot, uh, taking sips of the cup, making sure that it was okay, and then he would give it, because people were always out to take out the king, and so this was a way to avoid the, the poison uh, that could potentially get into one of his drinks. And so Nehemiah is going through this. He's praying over this stuff. He's just trying to develop all these different thoughts and ideas. And you can see that through all of chapter 1 and a little bit into chapter 2 about what's going on. We're going to read into chapter 2 here, and we're going to go into uh, verse 3. Now he, he needs to ask the king. He, now, now that he's spent time uh, thinking and praying over this uh, for months, now he gets to a point where he's now ready to ask basically for a time off. He's going into his boss, uh, which you just don't do. You just don't go to the king and ask for a day off, uh, especially being the cupbearer. Who's going to do it, right? Uh, and so he's, he, he has developed this relationship, and he said, I'm about to, I'm about to go to the king, and I'm going to do this. And he prays, God, please have him show favor on me. And he says these words, long live the king. This was a good thing that you would say to a king. How can I not be sad? So the king just asked him, what's wrong with you? Because <laughs> you look sad. You're kind of bumming me out, Nehemiah. What's wrong with you? And he says, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Well, how can I help? And so Nehemiah begins to lay out a plan over this chapter with a prayer to God in heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, if I have done what I'm supposed to do to care for you, if I have served you faithfully, if, if, right? So this is up to the king to decide. If these things are for real, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Now that's where we're gonna hold the story for this week. Nehemiah's request to the king to be sent on to take care of these things based on his performance. 
if I have cared for you, if I have, if I have pleased you, if we are good, right, um, please send me. So his preparation he was doing for this moment, he didn't know. He was just living his life. He was doing what he was supposed to do in honoring God by honoring the king and taking care of the king in the way that he did as a cupbearer. If I have pleased you through all this time that I didn't know I was preparing for, send me now. Nehemiah had a big goal inspired by a really big problem. And the, the problem's twofold. It's a practical problem, these walls that are torn down, these walls that are not really all of them down, but there's, there's gaps and they're just in ruins. There's a practical problem and there's a spiritual problem. Uh, without walls, practically, God's people would be vulnerable to yet another attack. The walls wouldn't keep them out. They'd walk right in. There would be no way to actually set up a defense. Practically, in our lives, maybe somebody needs a new job. Remember goal setting? Maybe a better home. Maybe, they need to, maybe you need to save money. Maybe practically you need to deal with hunger around the world or in your community. Maybe it's something as simple as transportation. Practical problems. But there's also a spiritual problem. The city of Jerusalem was deeply connected with the Jewish people's relationship with God. Rebuilding the walls would be a way for them to honor God. But leaving them in shambles would be a sin against God. So there's a spiritual implication as well with this idea that the walls are being let go. So how would that apply to us in our spiritual problem? Possibly adjusting your lifestyle. If you're not, uh, if you are in fact physically involved with somebody who is not your spouse, that's a spiritual problem. If you are lying about your spending, that is a spiritual problem. And these things need dealt with. Nehemiah saw a practical problem to deal with, and the same thing was a spiritual problem. You may have something, we may have something that is both a practical and a spiritual problem. And your goal setting needs to be looking toward that to honor God in everything that you do. God will always be pleased when you honor him with your faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. And so pleasing God is our goal. Honoring God, our creator, is in fact our goal. Nehemiah wanted to see the whole nation of Israel turn back to God. So he set a goal. Here's his goal. Find a way to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so God's people would be protected and God would be honored. That's it. That's the simplicity of it. His goal was to find a way to rebuild the walls. He didn't know exactly how it was all going to be laid out, but he knew that that needed to be done. The walls of Jerusalem, so God's people would be protected practically and God would be honored spiritually. And so this big circle picture understanding of, the, of, the, of Nehemiah's God-sized goal. So Nehemiah's God-sized goal here, Jerusalem's troubles birthed in Nehemiah a goal that wouldn't just benefit himself, but would benefit other people. What's going on around you that you would say, man, that's a big problem. Perhaps maybe, just maybe, that will birth something inside of you to have a God-sized goal this year. Nehemiah, his goal began with a difficulty. He began to see the difficulty, and that's the reality of, of big God-sized goals, significant, impactful God-sized goals. 
you look for a situation. Because we've said it before, why, uh, why fix it if it's not broken? Why fix it if it's not broken? So you're looking around and you simply, you typically see things that are broken. You're going, oh, I want to help with that. People over the, over the Christmas time and holidays, they say, listen, I want to give money to help a need. And people give significant amounts of money all, all, all around the world to help with a need, with a brokenness. And so there are significant ways uh, that we can participate in this, these difficulties. So he found a difficulty, not because he was looking for a difficulty. This difficulty found him, and he cared enough about it to do something about it. And he prayed on it for a significant amount of time. His goal began with prayer. As Nehemiah wept, he also fasted and prayed. He knew his goal was so big that he uh, couldn't do it by himself. It was so significant and large in size that he couldn't do it by himself. So he started praying and talking to God, and he kept praying for months. This was not an impulsive decision. Have you ever seen a need and then immediately try to do something, and then, okay, I feel better, all good? This was, a, this was a very big commitment that he was like, okay, this is a need. I need to pray on this. And he spent months. You hear me when I say this? Months. He spent praying and fasting and thinking and, and talking and just trying to process what's going on. And then he begins to move. His goal began with God's help. Nehemiah stood up from his uh, prayer and fasting, determined to attempt a series of impossible tasks. He knew his own wisdom and experience weren't enough to guarantee success, so he asked God for help. One of the most devastating things that we could do is to think that we have it all figured out and we don't need anybody else with us to get it done. Many times I bring people alongside me, one, because I am not that good and I don't know what I'm getting into, so I need people to guide me and instruct me and help me. And secondly, we're supposed to do things within community. We're not supposed to be isolated. We're supposed to do things together alongside one another. That's why it's so important that no matter how we gather, that we gather, that we get together. This is, this is one way to do it, but then getting together in a room together to encourage one another, super, super important because we need each other's support and help. The size of this goal forced Nehemiah to put all of his faith in God. The significance, I would rather say, the significance of this goal was so large that he had, it was forced to put his faith in God to make something happen. So then he knew if it was going to happen, it had to be only God. He discovered an important truth. Big difficulties can inspire God-sized goals. So that's the beginning of Nehemiah. That's great, but what am I supposed to do with that? What am I supposed to do with this idea of setting and achieving goals, God-sized goals, significant goals? Like, what am I supposed to do with it? Um, I, I don't really know of any walls that need rebuilt. I'm not really sure how that would affect me. Um, so let's think a little bit about how this can take us into 2022. When you begin setting goals as you set out, you're going to be thinking about 2022 and how you want that year to be totally different. And I want you to be very careful not to overcommit yourself to any, uh, anything at all. Uh, these giant goals that we set out that we're trying to say, 
oh, I'm going to do this every single day or that every single day, or I'm going to write 42 books for the first time this year. We often overestimate, or I should say, yeah, overestimate what we can do in one year, but we grossly underestimate what we can do in 10 years. And so make a plan. Make a plan for a couple years and think through this and try to figure out like, where do you want to go this year? Meaning like, where are you headed? Maybe it is a traveling situation. Maybe it is an encouraging situation. Maybe it's a relationship thing, but think about where you're headed and, uh, and think about what you've already experienced. Begin with difficulty. It doesn't take long to look around to find the difficulty. I don't mean that you need to cause difficulty in order to be able to find it. It's already there. You're not trying to cause any more difficulty, and I don't mean that you need to wait until something difficult happens. There is difficulty all around us. Maybe you've experienced difficulty already. Maybe a lack of focus is a difficulty for you and your family. Well, one thing that we have done for a number of years here uh, through the church family is picking one word that we focus on for the entire year individually. So for me in 2022, uh, I am focusing on the word moments, creating moments, defining moments, being in the moment. That's something that Pastor Gordon is working on. As a family, the Haybrook family, we're working on discipline. And when we brought that up to the kids, we said, hey, we're going to focus on discipline. They were thinking of like correction. And I said, no, 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 we're not talking about that. Mom and I are talking about like this self-discipline, self-control. And we were all in on this conversation. And, and, and not, not everybody was on board with that idea. I said, well, listen, this is our family's idea. But individually, you can come up with your own word. So as an individual, I'm looking at moments. As a family, as my family, we're looking at self-discipline. Because frankly, we need to be more focused, self-control, and self-disciplined. Maybe you are going to find a word uh, in the next week or so that you can just be praying over, fasting over, and just asking God, what do you want me to focus on? How about loss in your life? That's a big difficulty where you've experienced great loss. Maybe somebody in your life was a pivotal, mo a pivotal person in your life and, 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 they, and they're gone now. And so some of the traditions, some of the things you're used to, it's gonna change forever. You're never gonna have the same things back again. That, my friend, is a big difficulty. And so now you can sit on that for a moment as, as Nehemiah did. Uh, fasting, praying, mourning, lots of crying. You have full permission to do that. And he did that for days. And then try to discover how can you uh, set a goal through that difficulty? How can you maybe be the one that unifies the family? Maybe there's something in your life, the difficulty of bullying. And this doesn't have to be just kids. This could be adults at work somewhere, bullying. What goal setting are you gonna, are you gonna put in place that says, I will not stand for bullying? Discrimination, you see it, you say something. If you see this, ask questions. This is a big difficulty in our world. Difficulties with your family or your health. How about mental health difficulties? There are people in your very own neighborhood and street, down the street where you live, that are struggling with depression and anxiety. Just those alone can take over a person. Just be checking in on your neighbors and encouraging them. Your goal could be that your street is going to be the, the happiest street that could possibly be because you're going to just feed into them as much as you can and trying to share Jesus as op opportunities um, arise. How about this idea that I, I'm sure this is a, a phrase that people have used. I haven't heard it yet. COVID division. 
this idea of people turning on people over COVID. Uh, it's interesting. Initially, we turned towards each other to support one another, even though we were asked to separate. And now, because of COVID things, we turn on each other. And so how about a goal is not to think about just me, but to think beyond me and what I can do to support and encourage those around me. This COVID division is hard, and it's fast, and it's real. And we need to stop dividing over things, uh, which is interesting because the church has always found things to divide over. Uh, but we need to come towards encouraging one another. Even if we can't always physically be around each other, phone calls are still a thing. Your phone still actually makes phone calls. It doesn't always just email or text. You can for real do this, and you can encourage one another. And of course, hunger is always an issue. A couple weeks ago, we learned that there was a big need. There was a big need where, where people don't have shoes. And I mentioned this last week, uh, the week two weeks ago, but I wanted to say it again, uh, that there was a big need of kids overseas and people around our very own backyard that don't have shoes. And we were able to supply over 80 plus shoes to individuals. They just kept coming in. We had bags of shoes that people kept giving. And because of that, uh, Community Care Global was able to then uh, bless Heart and Soul Ministry uh, because of the support of the church and because of the giving uh, with a check to go overseas to these little kids that don't have access to any of this either in the amount of $1,300. That's a lot of money going towards a difficulty. And we stepped up as the church because we are the church and made something significant happen in Jesus' name because he equipped us to and we were able to do it. I'm focusing for our church family a whole lot on discipleship this year, something that we've been trying to develop a lot for a, for a little bit and some other things needed to come into play first. But now being in full swing as a strong dream team, our staff of Community Life Church, being able to focus intently more on discipleship, this idea of you growing in Christ, not just attending a thing, but actually being a part of a community. So begin with a difficulty. Begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. So I, I see there's a need. Okay, go right to the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? You're like, man, I don't even know what to say when I pray. Well, how about let's just talk generally about prayer. All right, uh, show me your dominant hand. I want you to show me your dominant hand. If you're watching online, put that in the comments, your dominant hand, you get a little emoji, dominant hand, okay? So here's what we're gonna do. I want you to think about prayer in the sense of your hand. Maybe it'll give you a little bit of a visual. Your thumb is the closest to your heart. And so with that idea, uh, you pray for those who are closest to you. Could be physically close to you, could be emotionally close to you, but we're gonna pray specifically for those people that are closest to us. Uh, the heartache, uh, the joy, we're gonna pray over all of that. So when we think to pray, we're gonna think about praying with our hands. Pray for those who are closest to our hearts. The second one would be the individuals that are not very uh, physically close to us. There's a lot of separation right now. These are the people that you can at least point to and you can say they're right there. 
they're right there, they're not that far away, and that we're going to pray for our friends and our family that may not be super close, but they're at least in a way where you can point to them, okay? You guys are doing a great job pointing. Awesome. Now, our middle finger, we're going to use this for a little different reason um, than what some choose to use it for. Uh, This is typically the uh, largest finger on our hand there, and so we're going to talk about our leaders. We're going to pray for our leaders. Whether you think people are doing a good job or not, I don't care. We should be praying for them and trying to uh, ask God to do whatever he possibly can do to get in there and be a part of whatever's happening. Remember, Jesus did not come to overrun a political system. He came to get into the hearts of people. He came to serve and not be served. And so we want to pray for our leaders. Every time we post something online that tears one of our leaders down, I want you to do this. Uh, Follow it up with a prayer post. How about that? Yeah. Okay. This person's not doing this and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. In the name of Jesus, God, please um, empower them, strengthen them, uh, call them to repentance or guide them, whatever it is. uh, Follow it up with a prayer because let's be honest, you're not going to stop posting stuff. And so follow it up with an additional post. Pray for our leaders, right? So we've got people that are close to our hearts. We got people that are close, but not too close that way, but we can still point to them. And we got people that are that are leaders and they're leading us and guiding us. And so pray for them. Believe it or not, our ring finger is our weakest finger. Did you know that? It's our weakest finger. Ironically, that's the one that uh, can hold the wedding band. And so our weakest finger uh, gets that, gets that uh, thing. Uh, we want to pray for those that are weaker than us. We want to pray for those that don't have what we have. We want to pray for those that uh, need more, that there's a big difficulty in their lives. We want to pray for those people. And this guy right here at the end, the reason why we're putting ourselves at the end is because once you get through these moments of prayer, it puts your needs in a good perspective. Because when you think, I have nothing, they have everything, let's start with praying over these people. And then when we start praying for ourselves, we begin to realize, man, I really do have things good. So when you pray with your hands, remember, pray for people close to your heart, people that are close to you physically, people that are uh, not so close, but you can still see them, you're still around them. Pray for our leaders, pray for those who are weaker than us, and pray for yourself. Prayer is key to the whole thing. And begin with God's help. We'll need God's help if our, if our God-sized significant goal is going to happen. This week, I hope that you'll think about this question. What breaks my heart? What breaks my heart? Or what should break my heart? Think about that. What breaks my heart right now? I'm sure that you don't have to to search too far to know what's actually hurting you right now. What's bothering you? And then I also want you to follow up that, well, if there's nothing, what should be breaking my heart? What should I actually be caring about? Because our big ideas simply, big difficulties can inspire God-sized goals, real significant, impactful goals. The impactful goal could be so big that it impacts your next-door neighbor. That's significant because their world could be changed forever because you invested in them. So here's our next steps. What do you care about? What do you care about? Let's think. How about we care less about... Um, Let's care about more than just our next meal. 
Let's care about our neighbors. Let's care about the people behind the counters. Let's care about people in need. Let's just simply care. Let's be aware of the people around us and let's genuinely care about them. The next time you go to the Dollar General or you go to Walmart, ask the name of the person or use their name. And I understand sometimes they don't wear the right name tags. I just had this the other day at Sam's Club. I said the lady's name. She goes, it's just a, it's just a shirt. And I go, well, then what is your name? And she told me, and I was able to use her name to say thank you. Uh, care about the people that are serving you. Care about the people who are around you. What do you care about? How can you make that situation better? Start praying, man. Start praying, and God will show you. Eve wrote, uh, read for us our wrap-up verse here today from Mark chapter 16. And then he told them to go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. You have the good news. The good news lives in you. You are good news, right? So share that with people. Share that with those that need to hear it and allow God to do something amazing through your God-sized goal. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the the, your word, your word is spectacular and amazing and awesome and uh, kind of crazy at times and radical. And, and can I, Lord, can I just say that sometimes your word is weird? It's just weird. I'm trying to understand what you're saying, uh, but in some situations, I wonder if I just don't always need to understand it. I just need to trust you. And so in these moments uh, and in these upcoming weeks, as we're learning through your servant, Nehemiah. I pray that you will teach us something brand new, teach us something we've never seen before, open our eyes to a way that we apply your word to our lives uh, in a way that is significant, that is exactly what you want us to do. May we sit in prayer with you. May we continually have conversations. In our moments, even now, as we're, listening to the chaos around us as we just listen to the world. God, the world doesn't control us. Uh, you do. And so when we make decisions, we make decisions based on people in mind. And so God, as we set our goals, may they be goals that you uh, give us, goals that you see uh, that are good for all of us. May we honor you with those goals. And God, may we be so disciplined that we achieve those goals according to your will. Uh, we're trusting you, God, in this moment. We're trusting you for 2022. We're trusting you uh, no matter the outcome. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, don't forget to sign up for the Temple Challenge. Begins tomorrow as we do the Temple Challenge. This idea is reading your Bible on a daily basis. We're going to go through Acts again and also doing some sort of movement. The movement actually releases the chemicals in your brain uh, that makes you feel good. And so that's the way God designed it. So get up and go for a walk. The other day I went for a walk, and it was the first time in a while, and it was super good, and I encourage you to get moving. Sign up for the Temple Challenge at myclc.info. You'll be blessed uh, to be a part of that. Now, will you stand with me where you are, no matter where you are, and receive a new blessing for 2022? 
I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Say with me, now go and be the church.